pastor at First Baptist Church of Dallas for the majority of the first half of the 20th century. In those days, pastors would uh, print and promote and publish their sermons, and he, he preached and published a sermon that is a source of reflection for us. The title of that sermon was, We Would See Jesus. And our task over these next weeks is that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would see Jesus as we begin this new decade, this new year, 2020, that we would see Jesus with 2020 vision. I feel like it's important today to begin with a a pastoral prayer, a prayer of reflection, a prayer acknowledging the wilderness of of our world. So we find ourselves in the wilderness of, of the politics of Washington, D.C., the, the wilderness of disease and a virus, flu in our own state and community, viruses that are producing a worldwide scare, as we see ourselves in the wilderness of coping with death, as we've experienced that in great way in our own church family, with many of you having relatives that you have mourned their passing recently, and also in our nation, the passing of, of a, a celebrity and his, his daughter and families around that that's caught the attention of our nation. So let's pray and ask that God would come and be in the midst of our wilderness. Father, we thank you that this morning that the scripture reminds us that as Jesus went into the wilderness that you were with him, even in the midst of that great uh, season of temptation. And Father, we look around our nation and our world and and we see the wilderness all around us and we would ask that Your presence come and and that Your people would be a source of light, of bread, of hope. Father, we pray for the wildernesses that we've mentioned today, the the wilderness that we so often see in Washington, D.C. amongst our, our political leaders and we pray that You would bring wisdom to them. Father, we pray for the medical community and the the communities around us, especially as this virus springs forth from China and has begun to spread in different parts of our world and the fear that has come from that. We pray that our medical community would come with, with a cure, that the world would take the precautions necessary, that those that become sick would be ministered to and nurtured to in a loving way for those in our own community that suffer from flu, pneumonia, from sickness, disease. We pray that you would be with them as they walk through this wilderness of unknown. And Father, we pray for our nation, for families as they mourn in different ways, as they mourn the the passing of loved ones. And Father, that they would again know your hope in the midst of their despair, your promise of life and life eternal in the midst of death. And Father, we pray now as we turn to your Scriptures that we would see Jesus clearly as we reflect on this powerful story of wilderness and of wilderness temptation, that we would see Jesus in the wilderness And that that would bring us great courage and hope in these moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
I would encourage you to take your scriptures and we'll refer out of Matthew Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 throughout this morning. But I want to begin with this question. We've prayed, we've identified some of the the wildernesses maybe that, that we've struggled with this week. But I guess my question for you is, have you ever been in the wilderness, a, a real wilderness? Have you had the opportunity to, to journey into those places or find yourself as you would look around going, wow, this is wilderness. There's not much here. I had the, the privilege and opportunity my, between my junior and senior year at, at OU. My, my college roommate was from Fairbanks, Alaska, and he would drive home and back and forth during the uh, at, at the summertime with his vehicle, and I, I told him that I would love to drive back with him. And so we took out of here after finals one May and, and drove to Fairbanks, Alaska. It was quite an adventure, and part of that journey was to go along the Alaskan Highway up through, uh, up through Canada, up into the Yukon. And if you're familiar with some of that, uh, that area and that geography, you'll know that, that much of the Yukon is, is described as tundra. Tundra meaning a, a treeless plain. And we drove through the, the, the Colorado Rockies there as we went out of, of Calgary into Banff and, and Lake Louise and those areas continuing north into the Yukon. And I was struck by the, the vast wilderness, the vast almost wasteland, if you would, although it was beautiful and and there was life around, but just that that barrenness of that land at different times. You see, the wilderness is often a place of of desolation, a, a place where there's no natural means of sustenance, no water, no fruit, little if any vegetation, where wild beasts may roam. In the Old Testament, the wilderness was a place of curse, a place of wanderings, of lostness. Sometimes the wilderness is not simply geography, but the wilderness is a station in life that we find ourselves. We may find ourselves in the wilderness of relationship. We may find ourselves in the wilderness of vocation. We may find ourselves in a a broad sense in a place of wilderness in understanding our own purpose, our own direction, and calling for life. And even today, I suspect there are many of us that that may be in the wilderness in regards to our faith and belief in God, in Jesus the Christ. So as we seek to see Jesus more clearly in 2020, I believe that it offers us comfort and peace and hope to see Jesus in the wilderness and to understand that sometimes the wilderness is a a necessary place for us to journey in order to prepare ourselves for the next season of life. Notice the picture. I think we have a picture here. This is actually a pick. Nope, that's not the one we're looking for. (laughs) Do we get the other one? Nope. Here's a beautiful picture of the wilderness in Israel, looking out towards the Dead Sea. Some of you remember we went last a uh, few years ago to, to the Holy Lands. If you've been there and you've taken that journey uh, from Jerusalem down to Jericho onto the Dead Sea, you see the vast wilderness of Israel. 
And it's believed that it's in that area that Jesus went to, to spend this time, 40 days, in the wilderness. A time in which the Scripture is very clear that, that God led Jesus into that place. And what we discovered is that the wilderness can be a place of testing, but it can also be a place of temptation. You see, the English word temptation has always come with a kind of a negative connotation. The word temptation, as we would understand it, seems to mean that we are trying or, or someone or something is trying to entice or to persuade us to do the wrong thing. Another way to talk about temptation is to talk about seduction. That we are seduced to do that which we know is wrong and to understand that a temptation, that seduction ultimately seeks to destroy us, to destroy our character, our reputation, and our person. We are to take temptation very seriously. But the New Testament word that's used here that, that we translate temptation can also have another connotation or, or understanding. It can carry with it the idea of testing. A test is something that isn't, one is intended to overcome. A test is something that is meant to reveal and to strengthen one's character, their person or their reputation. And testing is often a passageway for someone to pass through in order to move on to the next step, in order to, to become successful and to accomplish what one's task is. Some of you have, have been through different levels of education and training in school. I think of medical school, with Morgan going through medical school. She's already passed a, what we, what, what's called a step one exam and test. After two years of intense education and training, she had to pass step one in order to, to go to step two. Thank goodness that there's that kind of intense training that, that requires that testing before you can move on. And as she finishes up her third year, she's already begun to prepare for step two. Knowing that she has to pass and, and step beyond that or, 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 or pass that step, that, that test, in order to move on. And certainly she would tell you, those who've been through medical school would tell you that at times it, it feels like a, a great wilderness which you find yourself alone, tested, tired, exhausted. But you must continue on. I think of steel, metal, steel. Steel that must be tested before it can be used. It must be stressed and strained beyond anything that it would have to experience in its real-life application. In that sense, it has to go through the wilderness of testing before it can be applied because we wouldn't want an untested steel structure to, to collapse under the stress and strain of, of a bridge. It needs to be tested beyond what it would need in its real-life application. So as we look at this word testing and, and this idea of temptation, we need to understand the difference between a test and a temptation and that that difference is often found in the intention or the desire of those involved. So let's be clear. We must understand that God's intention in leading Jesus into the wilderness was that so that His metal could be proved and tested 
The adversary, Satan, the devil's intent, however, was to destroy Jesus' ministry and his mission before it ever began. You see, if Jesus could not survive the wilderness, he would have never been able to have survived the cross. Thus, what the devil intended as temptation, God allowed as test. So as we see Jesus going into the wilderness, what do we see? One of the things that jumps out at me is, is that we see Jesus alone. Alone in the wilderness. And how many of us would relate that to being true? That, that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we often find ourselves alone. And this can certainly lead to great despair and hopelessness. Or being alone in the wilderness can draw us into a deeper, more profound relationship with God. It appears that when Jesus is led into the wilderness, that, that these intense temptations come after a season, come after a period of 40 days when Jesus was then tempted intensely. During those days, I can imagine Jesus alone not by himself, but alone with his Father, walking and talking, praying, meditating on scriptures, studying the, the Word, reflecting on the Word that he had put in his heart, learning and understanding what was before him in his ministry, leaving his baptism, going into the wilderness, preparing for that which laid before him. And as he came to the end of that Temptation or that wilderness period, that, that fasting, that alone time with God, he's encountered by the devil. And I, I don't want to spend time really focusing on the, 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 the temptations themselves, but, but certainly want to offer a word. First of all, the first temptation, according to Matthew, is that Jesus was to command stones to become bread. He was famished. He was hungry after that time in the wilderness. His body was hurting and in need. He had a physical need, and Jesus is challenged, is tempted to solve that problem on his own. But do you remember what happened, the story of Jesus in Philippians 2? For the Scripture tells us that Jesus came, came from heaven, and the Scripture tells us that, that Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself. And I think what... The enemy is trying to do for Jesus. Jesus, once you once you claim back, once you pull back some of that 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 power, some of that that God, whatever it is you you gave up, you're a man, but you're also God. Reclaim that. Cause these stones to become bread, and Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will bless that. Meet that need, Jesus. Yet Jesus remained faithful to his self-emptying. The second test. The second temptation was to, to test God, to presume upon God. Throw yourself down and, and God, your, your Father will save you. And how many times do we approach God that way? We presume upon God and His grace and His forgiveness. And notice how Satan misquotes Scripture. Go on sinning. It, it's okay if you sin. God will forgive you. We, we presume upon God. When the Romans asked Paul that question, Paul responded, no, may it never be. May we never willfully sin. 
May we pursue the righteousness of Christ, of God at all times. The third temptation, worship me. Worship me, Jesus, and I will have the world worship you. It's interesting that after Jesus' death, is his resurrection, that Paul tells us in Philippians 2 again that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and tongue confess. You see, that's how the Father responded to Jesus' obedience. That's how the Father responded to, to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But Satan was offering a way to receive that praise and that worship without the cross. There was a shortcut. Oh, Jesus, go ahead and worship me, and, and then all these will worship you. But Jesus did not fall. He said, oh, we're to, to worship God alone, and that our worship is to bring glory to him. And if I were to worship you, it would, it would break that commandment, but it would also rob the Father of his glory, his glory which will come through me as I obey him, and as I sacrifice on his behalf. So how did Jesus, how did he pass this test? How did, how did he, he, he accomplish and, and succeed in these temptations? Psalm 119.11 says it this way, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Did you hear that? It's a familiar psalm. Thy word I've treasured, I've put in my heart that I would not sin against you. Jesus passed the, the temptations. He passed the test because he treasured he treasured God's Word. And I can't help but believe in that, that wilderness time that Jesus meditated on. He treasured the Word of God. He treasured His, his interaction, His prayer with His Father. And that strengthened Him. Do we treasure God's Word? Do we, do we place it in our hearts? Do we allow, when, when we're tempted, when we're, we're tested, do we allow that Word to come forth? And do we cherish that Word? And do we allow that Word to manifest its purpose in our lives that we would not sin against Him? Each time the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus brought forth a scripture, a scripture that sustained him, a scripture that responded to the moment, a scripture that gave him strength to pass the exam. You see, Jesus was prepared. Jesus knew his struggles. He, he knew where, where those temptations would come. And he prepared, he reflected, he meditated on those passages to the point that they were treasure treasure in his life in his heart in his mind and when the time came they were the answers that he offered in that moment of testing and temptation oh that we would see jesus in the wilderness that we would see him tempted and as hebrews 4 15 says that jesus was the one who had been tempted in all things just as we are, and yet He is without sin. Let us see Jesus this morning in the wilderness, treasuring Scripture, allowing Scripture to, to strengthen and sustain Him. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have these temptation stories. Luke concludes his, his, his expression, his, his telling of this story with this thought. He says that the devil 
left him until an opportune time. You see, Jesus would be tempted by the devil again and again. He would be tempted in the garden. He would be tempted on the cross. You see, not even Jesus grew beyond the reach of temptation. But each time he was tempted, he passed the test. And oh, that we would realize no matter how strong we grow, no matter how deep we grow in our faith, that we never find ourselves beyond the reach of temptation. And as we see Jesus in the wilderness, let us understand that he is the only person The only person to have ever lived who felt the full weight of temptation all of his life and yet never once surrendered to it. He never sinned. He knew the struggle. He knew the weight, the burden of temptation. And I believe this offers to us a sense of compassion and empathy and strength for us to overcome. And also... Because of that compassion and love for us, the gift of forgiveness when we are overcome by that temptation. I think before we can can conclude our time in, in reflecting on temptation, we have to turn to James. James chapter 1. James picks up on this. James, the, the brother of Jesus. James has a few thoughts on on trials, on testing, and on temptation. In James 1, verse 2, James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, when you encounter various testing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. As you find yourself in the wilderness of that temptation... Endure, endure. And as we turn over to verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres, who endures under the trial, under the the testing. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love them. But let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself does not tempt anyone. But each of us is tempted when he is carried, when she is carried away and enticed by his own lust, by her own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, It brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren. So are we being tested or are we being tempted? Well, first of all, James is clear to remind us that that we are never to say that we are being tempted by God. Yet as we've seen today, certainly the Lord takes us and allows us to be led into times of testing and, and trials. Time so that we can prove our faith. Steps that we can take to to demonstrate that we are prepared for that next step of faith. For that next step of following after Christ. Of being obedient to Him. So yes, there are those times of, of testing that come our way. But James is also quick to remind us that the temptation comes from 
the evil one. In 1 Peter, Peter says this way. We sang about this this morning. There is, there's a prowling, a lion that's prowling around, an enemy, a, a, a devil prowling around like a lion, roaring, seeking someone to devour. We are tempted by this one that seeks to devour and destroy us. And that we are also tempted as, as our own lusts as our own lusts come to the forefront, as we are enticed and carried away by our lust, it's that proverbial snowball. When, when that snowball of lust, when we entertain that, when we allow that to grow, when, when we treasure that in our heart instead of the Word of God, when we treasure our lusts within us, that snowball begins to roll. And we soon find ourselves under the Destruction of its power and of its ways. Notice what the Lord's Prayer says in Matthew 6. We just said it. Angela led us in it earlier today. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. It's one of those words that we're to treasure in our heart so that as our lusts, as our temptations come before us, we can offer the prayer, Lord, lead me not into this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. But notice what James says in verse 3. When we're tested, we're tested. The testing of our faith produces endurance. And faith that endures, faith that can withstand the test, faith that can pass the test, produces its perfect result in us that we might be mature, that we might be complete, that we might be lacking in nothing, that we might be filled with Christ Himself. Jesus, the One whose faith was perfect and complete and mature, He's the One we're to remember and see as we experience our own wilderness of temptation. When we find ourselves in that wilderness, please let us look and let us see Jesus. Let us see Him treasuring God's Word. Let us see Him enduring Enduring the temptations that were before him, perfecting his faith and ministry that was in front of him. And in seeing Jesus' example clearly, let us treasure his word. Let us, let us grow past and not dwell and not be carried away by our own lusts and the temptations before us so that our faith too may grow and be perfected. You see, church, we'll all find ourselves in the wilderness at some point. And some of us may feel like we've been there for way, way too long. So on this Super Bowl Sunday, again, let us see Jesus in the wilderness. On my journey to Fairbanks, Alaska, we drove up through what's called the Alaskan Highway. We got to Fairbanks, I discovered and learned that the road continues on another couple of hours to, to Prudhoe Bay, there on the Arctic Ocean. I learned that, although there's not a route that's officially drawn, drawn out, I don't think, I learned that that's part of what is sometimes called the, the Pan-American Highway. A road that stretches 18,000 miles. You can find road from Prudhoe Bay to the tip of Argentina. 
That road only breaks in one place. The Darien jungle in Panama, between Panama and Colombia. I had the opportunity one time to drive to the end of that highway and to see the village that was there, and then the system of, of rivers that went out into that jungle, and if you would allow me to say a, a different kind of wilderness, but certainly a wilderness, a jungle that we experienced. I was there to spend a week with the missionaries. And during our stay with the missionaries, they were in the process of introducing goats into one of the very poor, poor villages in the area. And they were excited, the villagers were excited, the people were excited because the goats would provide milk and cheese, needed dairy for their children, especially their infants. It would provide meat as well. They would be able to have some income as offspring would come and they would be able to sell the offspring. And in order to support the goats, a pond was constructed and that pond was stocked with fish that they might have a different source of protein. I think of Jesus' first wilderness temptation. Turn these rocks into, in, these stones into bread. We're reminded in Jesus' words that man does not live by bread alone. And while this is certainly true, we also know that man does not live without bread. Again, listen to this scripture from Matthew 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we have seen this truth illustrated and lived out from us today in the life of Jesus. And notice that Matthew tells us that when Jesus was finished, when the testing, when the temptation was over, the angels came to minister to him, I suspect, with, with bread for his physical body. Physical bread to provide strength and sustenance. Oh, that we would remember that Jesus was emphatic about feeding the hungry. So much so that he said, when you feed the hungry, you're feeding me. You see, feeding the hungry, feeding those in need, is one of the distinguishing characteristics of God's people. Yet physical bread alone does not sustain people. Jesus declared that he, that he was the bread of life, and that anyone who ate his bread would have eternal life. So on this Super Bowl Sunday, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of those who are both physically and spiritually hungry. Your gifts as we take this offering today will go to buy food, We'll go to buy livestock. Maybe not the livestock here in Norman, the food, but the livestock internationally. And these gifts will be distributed through the work of Christian men and women who will also share with them the bread of life. You see, the world in which we live is a wilderness for many, especially those who are hungry for bread. So today, let us give generously and graciously, that bodies and souls may be strengthened with the bread of life. Would you pray with me? Today there are those that would say they're not Christ followers, they're, they're unbelievers have been, yet, yet the Spirit of God is stirred in their life. They recognize that they're in the wilderness. They have many questions 
And yet today you would say that you've discovered in the wilderness the presence of Christ, the presence of God through Christ. And maybe today is that day that you come and and you begin to, to partake of the bread of life that you begin to share in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If that's the wilderness that you're in this morning, then we would, we would treasure, we would value the opportunity to, to walk with you and pray with you and encourage you. And yet there are some today that are, are, are Christ followers. And they find themselves in that wilderness as well. They're being tempted. They're being tested. They're discouraged. And today, oh, that you would see Jesus in the wilderness be encouraged and strengthened, that you would realize that there's a purpose in your testing. There's, there's a purpose in enduring the wilderness for that next step and that, that next place that God is calling you to to serve. Would you treasure His Word in your heart? Would you allow that to nurture you and sustain you through the temptations and through the wilderness that you walk? This morning, we stand and sing and and make our commitments to the Lord. And I encourage you, I ask you, would you be faithful? Would you respond as God would lead you? I will be here. Ministers, our deacons would be here to encourage you and to pray with you if you come and share and take that first step out of the wilderness in obedience to Christ. Let's stand together and sing.